Welcome to Boobs Aren't Worth Dying For, the podcast dedicated to integrative health and healing from breast cancer and breast cancer treatment using the best of conventional and natural medicine. Your host, Deborah Beaumont, is an advanced practice nurse, functional medicine practitioner, and fellow breast cancer survivor. Welcome to this week's episode of Boobs Aren't Worth Dying For. I'm Deborah Beaumont, and I'm your host. As you know, I am a functional medicine practitioner as well as a breast cancer survivor myself. Podcast is really geared towards education and empowering you to navigate this recovery journey, which is so much more involved than many of us are prepared for when we get into this. I am really excited to interview today's guest, uh, Dr. Evan Hirsch. Dr. Hirsch is a world-renowned fatigue expert. He is the founder and CEO of the International Center for for Fatigue and the Virtual MD Initiative. He himself suffered with fatigue for five years before he achieved resolution using his program called the Fix Your Fatigue Program. He has written books, he does a podcast, and he has online programs. He has helped thousands of people around the world optimize their energy naturally, and he's on a mission to help one million more. So all of you, you know, plug in because you're you're becoming part of a tribe here. Um, he is a licensed functional medicine provider. He is board certified in integrative medicine. He also ha- helps functional medicine providers transition to virtual practices and incorporate a lot of this work um, in their own practice. He um, is joining us today to talk about fatigue. And when I first had contact with Dr. Hirsch, we were talking about post-COVID fatigue, which I'm sure applies to many of you. And I certainly want to cover that because I think that's something that's impacting a lot of us and we don't have a lot of answers. And even though he he and I have spoken and he's not an expert in uh, chemotherapy and post-chemo fatigue, I think a lot of things that he's going to be talking about are basic principles that we can all incorporate and benefit from. So with that being said, I'd like to, you know, open it up to you, Dr. Hurst. Thank you for joining us. Deborah, thanks so much for having me on. Um, I'm so glad that you're here. So uh, in preparation for this, um, I, I just wanted to set a little foundation. Um, one of the reasons that I was so excited to have you today is because I think fatigue is one of those things that's very pervasive and one of those things that that from a medical standpoint, they don't really have a lot to offer. It's just like, well, that's just the way it is. And, and I'm really interested in delving more into your work um, to find out uh, what some of the factors are. As with many other functional medicine uh, approaches, I think fatigue is something that sometimes people struggle with, whether they have cancer or not. They struggle with it before they have cancer. Perhaps it's made worse by uh, the treatments that you go through for cancer. It's certainly made worse by the stress and the physical recovery. I think one of the most frustrating things I hear from women is they've gone through treatment, they're still experiencing fatigue, exhaustion, you know, brain fog, and they and their families are expecting them to get back to quote unquote normal. And I think that understanding that there's a new normal is is an important piece of recovery and and kind of making some space for the fact that it's not um, a linear process. I definitely agree. And I think there's something around holding and having acceptance for where you are, but also continuing to look for answers. You know, one of the things we'll talk about today is how many causes there are and that it's really all about finding the causes that you have, because that's the only time you're ever actually able to resolve them so that you can achieve resolution. 
Yeah, absolutely. So let me just uh, cite a few of the statistics that I found really interesting. Fatigued people lose 5.6 hours of productive time per week. It's almost two months a year. Um, 69% of people feel fatigued at work. Fatigued people have a 66% rate of lost productivity due to cognitive decline and difficulty focusing. 50% of people have fallen asleep on the job. Wow. That's really, um, that's a really powerful statistic. 57% of people have been absent from work due to fatigue. 32% report injuries and near misses due to fatigue. Oh, this is the one that really stands out to me. You are 300 times more likely to be in a car crash if you are fatigued. Right. I, I as a nurse, worked oh, uh, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., most of my career. And that driving when you're that exhausted and, and that that fatigued, it's it's amazing. There were a couple times where I literally fell asleep at the wheel. It was only for a nanosecond and I wasn't, you know, thank God in an accident. But um, I found that when you work a weird shift like that, that's so against our circadian rhythm, that that underlying fatigue mounts. It's not just a matter of sleep or feeling tired. It's a, it's a baseline level of exhaustion and fatigue that just seems to uh, build on itself. Absolutely. Yeah. And just to clarify, I think the stat is 300%, not 300 more times, just to be clear. It's like- Oh, did, oh I thought I said, yeah, 300%. So let's just start. How does somebody know that they have fatigue? How do you define fatigue? So it's really tiredness that's not relieved by rest. Right. So if somebody is getting seven to nine hours of sleep a night- and they're doing that continuously, and they're still tired during the day. Their body is yelling at them saying, hey, there's a problem, and there's something that needs to be done. You need to pay attention to me, right? Not just push through with caffeine, coffee, five-hour energy, naps, whatever it is that people you know, feel like they need to do in order to get through their day, which is fine, but it has consequences, and it's not getting at the cause. So if somebody really wants to get to the root cause, then they really have to start looking. So it's, it's this tiredness that's not relieved by rest. What are some of the the main causes for fatigue um, in in general, not necessarily related to cancer treatment, because we know that has its own you know um, impact. But but what are some of the general reasons that people are dealing with fatigue, and maybe they don't know it? So there's ten categories of fatigue that I like to look at, and really half of them are deficiencies. So things these are things that aren't in the body that are supposed to be, and then half of them are toxicities. So these are things in the body that aren't supposed to be in there. So when we're looking at the deficiencies, we're looking at deficiencies in things like hormones. So the adrenal gland is is responsible for producing cortisol and managing stress in the body, managing the immune system, managing blood sugars and insulin, and anything that stresses the body, whether it's mental, emotional, or physical, is is going to compromise the adrenal gland function. So this is a huge problem for a lot of people, not just, I mean, anybody who's living in today's society, but also those folks who have cancer or are going through cancer have been through a cancer treatment because oftentimes cancer treatments can also be incredibly or will be stressful on the body. So that's the first thing is that adrenals. And then if the adrenals are compromised, then the thyroid is going to be compromised because there's this beautiful dance between the adrenals, the thyroid, and the sex hormones. And so then oftentimes the sex hormones are also compromised. You know, when you think about whether or not you have libido, whether or not you have the desire to to be intimate with your partner, a lot of that really stems around the body's need for survival. Generally, it's like survival with the adrenals 
or or having a libido and procreating. And the body's going to choose survival 10, 10 out of 10 times. Right. And so that's kind of, that, that's what ends up happening with a lot of these hormones. And then there's deficiencies in nutrients. So whether that's vitamins like vitamin B12 or vitamin D, deficiencies in minerals like iron or magnesium. Then there's deficiencies in mitochondria or dysfunction in mitochondria, which is the energy center of every cell in the body that produces about 70 to 80% of our energy and gets squashed by a lot of the toxins that we're going to talk about in just a minute. Right. And then there's deficiencies in lifestyle habits. So that's not enough sleep, not enough movement, not enough water, not enough good food. So these are all the things that generally people will do first, you know, because those are the things you have most control of. Those are the things that are, you know, most obvious in today's society of, of ways you can modify your health. So making those changes can be incredibly helpful. Now, if somebody makes those changes and their fatigue goes away, we consider that to be a level one problem. If it doesn't go away and then they need to take stuff in order to replace those deficiencies and then it goes away, that's considered a level two problem. And then if they still have problems, that's when we kind of get into level three problems, which is the toxicity. So let's jump into there. So mm -hmm. those are the deficiencies. And then the other causes of fatigue are these toxicities. Now, I should say that it's very important to remember that these are the causes that are present after you've been evaluated by your regular physician, you know, to determine whether or not you have lung issues, heart issues, um, a number of other things that thyroid that are affecting your energy, cancer, all those things need to be worked up first. But then what we're looking at in terms of the toxicities or things that are in your body that aren't supposed to be in your body, we're looking at things like heavy metals. You know, 70% of all lipsticks have lead in them. Oh, yeah. 100,000 pounds of mercury are being dumped into our oceans every single year. Mm. You know, 84,000 chemicals we're exposed to on a regular basis. And most of those haven't been appropriately evaluated by the FDA and other governing bodies, right? So that's heavy metals and chemicals. And then we're looking at things like molds. You know, half of the buildings in first world countries have water damage and most of those have mold. And mold is incredibly insidious and a huge problem that I see in people with fatigue. And people really don't wanna believe that they have mold because oftentimes it can require remediation, but not always. And it's always more important to actually have the knowledge. Right. And then besides heavy metals, chemicals, molds, there are infections. You know, the CDC came out a couple of years ago and said, actually, there's not 30,000 new, 30, new cases of, of Lyme in the, in the United States every year. There's actually 300,000. Wow. And we're seeing not just Lyme, but we're seeing a number of these other co-infections like Bartonella, which can cause pain on the bottom of the feet, usually misdiagnosed as plantar fasciitis, has mm -hmm. muscle cramps. Oftentimes people have headaches and body pain, usually misdiagnosed as fibromyalgia. They'll have sleep problems, they'll have anxiety and depression. Or things like Babesia, which is the North American malaria, where usually this person is the hottest person in the room, oftentimes having spontaneous sweating, whether it's during the day, whether it's at night, whether it's every day, whether it's every couple of days or every couple of weeks, oftentimes also having some shortness of breath, a cough, and then really awful sleep, awful anxiety to the point of panic attacks and awful depression to the point of suicidal thoughts. And you don't have to have all of those symptoms, but just a few of them can really point you in that direction. 
Right. So that's that's heavy metals, chemicals, molds, infections. And then there's allergies. There's things that you're reacting to that's causing the immune system to react. And then that causes inflammation. And so that's allergies to foods. That's allergies to inhaled stuff, stuff floating around, whether it's weeds or grasses or molds. And then there's negative emotional patterns. So like I said, initially with the, the adrenals and the stress, when we're talking about mindset and we're talking about mental, emotional, physical stressors, negative emotional patterns play a huge role in this where they're causing, they can cause chronic stress in the body. If you have a certain relationship with yourself, relationship with others, relationship with the world, if the world is in a safe place, you know, there's something called ACEs or adverse childhood events. Right. ACEs. And the definition used to be a little bit more severe, but now it's more like anything that's less than nurturing. Hmm. Anything that's less than nurture, anything that's less than really great support. So it doesn't have to be a really severe abuse of some sort. It could be rejection by a peer group. It could be, you know, a divorce, even if everything went exactly as planned. So, you know, there's all these bumps that we have in life. And so much of it really has to do with our outlook. You know, there's a a famous story about, you know, two brothers who came back from World War II or Vietnam or whatever it was. And their leg, both of them had legs that were blown off. One of them became a very successful business person. And the other one um, had a lot more challenges and ended up being homeless and whatnot. And when the question was posed to both of them, why did you end up this way? They said, with what happened to me, how could I not? Hmm. That was the same answer for both of these individuals. For one person, it was motivating. For the other person, they felt like a victim and they weren't able to get up on their feet again. So it's really important to remember how important mindset is to all of this, which is why it's such an important part of of our program. So I I digress a bit. So heavy metals, chemicals, molds, infections, allergies, negative emotions, and then electromagnetic frequencies. So with all of these things, they were... Yeah. So all these things that we're exposed to, whether, you know, anything that has a battery, anything that's plugged into the wall, it is going to exude um, different invisible rays, which are going to damage the DNA. And what happens when you get damaged DNA, it becomes metaplasia and it can become dysplasia and it can become cancer. So I'm not saying that EMFs cause cancer. I'm saying that they can contribute to that um, because the research is not necessarily conclusive on that. And a lot of it really has to do with your total body burden. So the more crap that you have in your body of these, what I call the usual suspects, the heavy metals, the chemicals, the molds, the infections, the allergies, the negative emotional patterns, and the EMFs, the worse off you're going to be. And at some point, as you're building this these toxins up in the body, they overflow and then people get symptoms. And whether those are symptoms of fatigue or autoimmunity, because the same causes that I'm talking about today are talking about autoimmunity and these same causes talk about dementia and cause cancer. You know, we know from the breath, um, the breast cancer fund and a number of other cancers that, you know, they've all, every single cancer has found with an infection in it. And that 80% of, of a lot of these illnesses and cancers are from um, these toxicities, 20% from genetics. So it's always important to keep these toxicities in mind and remove them out of your body and out of your life whenever you can. Absolutely. I mean, a few things came to mind when you were talking, particularly about the um, emotional, um, the um, what you were referring to, the adverse childhood experience, um, which 
interesting. Uh, my background prior to nursing is is in psych. Actually, I was going to um, I was planning on getting my PhD in in psych. So it's just a, a an area that I'm very interested in, and as well as trauma recovery. My graduate thesis was in um, treating PTSD as it related to medical illness. Mm-hmm. And I've done some podcasts on that. But the, the thing that came to mind when you were talking is how subjective trauma or stress can be. Oftentimes when, I, um, when I'm working with clients, fatigue comes up and um, you, were, you were talking about adrenal function. My listeners probably know I do a lot of Dutch testing, which is a comprehensive hormone test. And um, it not only gives you sex hormones, but one of the things I find really valuable, it's also the best way that I know of to really look at adrenal function. You can be at different levels. They have different phrases for it, adrenal fatigue or adrenal exhaustion or adrenal stress. But um, I get to the point when I talk to women that um, I really uh, make a distinction that perceived stress does not always match your physical experience of stress. You can be in a highly stressed, um, highly uh, cortisol-driven state in that fight or flight, um, but you don't perceive it as stress because you're either adapting very well or it's it's good stress. You've got a lot of kids and you've got a lot of family and you know it's not necessarily um, hanging on by your fingernails kind of stress, but your body mm-hmm. doesn't really make that distinction. And so uh, so when you were talking about this list of things, it really struck me that a lot of these things can be very, um, the perception of them can can vary wildly. And even when it comes to adva- um, uh, adverse childhood experience, as you said, what might be traumatic for one person, um, another person is like, are you kidding? I've, I went through so much worse, you know, right. uh, you know, the fact that, that, you know, you, you know, maybe you had a, a, a parent that traveled a lot, and they weren't there, and you perceived that as stress. And then somebody who actually had a more classic definition of abuse would be like, oh, that's no big deal. So, right. so a lot of that is very um, personal. And, and, and I also think that people's physical responses to all of this varies wildly. Some, yep. you know, they, whether it's constitution, or like you said, maybe it's just the whole cumulative toxic burden, you know, um, somebody who's a computer person who's on a computer, you know, 12 hours a day is going to have a very different level of overload than somebody who uses email. And I I find the whole EMF thing very interesting. I, um, one of my first clients as a functional medicine practitioner worked for the phone company. He was, he was actually a a top level executive and had been around while they were developing uh, Wi-Fi technology. And I and I was kind of interested in this. And I said to him, I said, well, what do you think about this? Do you really think that EMF makes that big of a difference? And are, is it something that we need to be concerned about with 5G? And he's like, well, let's, let's think about it this way. If you've got a little thing in your hand, think about how much radioactive um, energy it has to put off to connect with a cell tower that's three miles away. Right. And then if you're imagining, you know, and, and then imagine what it's doing when you're holding it right next to your to your uh, ear. He's like, these are known industry, this is known industry information that it, it that it has an impact, but it's it's somewhat suppressed for economic reasons. And, yeah, for and sure. so I think it's really interesting to bring it back into this health health um, realm because I think that that people in functional medicine are the ones that are doing education around this. Right. Well and I think it's also really interesting to see kind of how it dovetails on some of these other toxicities where mold is worse 
when you have EMFs and chemicals are worse. You know, I had a, a client who could always tell that there was a cell tower coming around the next corner because her feet would begin to buzz. She would get neuropathy oh. in her feet. Wow. And sure enough, they would turn the corner and there's a big tower. And so, you know, that was in order to treat these people, it's really, you know, there's different things that you can do by removing electromagnetic frequencies and, you know, different covers that you can use that have been shown to be tested and whatnot. But it's also really important to get rid of the overall burden because then they're going to just be less reactive. Because the question is, why does somebody have what's called electromagnetic hypersensitivity syndrome or EHS and somebody else doesn't who's living in the same environment supposedly has the same um, exposures? And a lot of times it just has to do with their total body burden and their ability to get it out of their body combined with their their mental emotional state. Which really leads me to um, come back to a lot of the functional medicine principles and interventions about our individual genetic expression and whether or not, you know, we've we've got the biochemistry, biochemical pathways in our body working well. Um, one of the things that anybody who has worked with me has probably heard a lot of is about methylation and, you know, COMT. And um, I think when people are looking at um, getting some of these genetic tests done, that, that there are key markers that we can look at to see how well somebody intrinsically can handle processing a lot of this. Um, mm -hmm. And I and it and it does vary with women going through cancer and cancer treatment. There's such judgment about how quickly they should be feeling better, or how quickly they should be back to normal. Or it's been three years, why are you still you know, talking about this, or why aren't you back to normal? And, and, you know, that can come from loved ones, it can actually come from someone's own expectations of their recovery. Uh, it's one of the, the things that I really like to highlight when we look at some of these other things. The, uh, the issue with toxins, uh, I do a, a, a lot of teaching around toxins. And I, I find that really interesting. Um, and I always tell people, we can't eliminate toxic exposure, we can minimize it, and we can be very conscious about it, but in the world we live in, I, I don't know how you can completely eliminate it. So, um, uh, and uh, one of the things that I like to bring up is a statistic I heard that most average women can be exposed to a hundred different toxins by the time they walk out the door in the morning to go to work between their cosmetics, their, their um, skincare, and you know. Water. Water. Oh, yeah. Water is a big one. Shower filters. Right. You know, I, I get women who are like, oh, I do. a, um, I, I have a, a water filter in my kitchen. I'm like, do you have one in your shower? You know, because right. that's one. Yeah, yeah that, that's one that's missed. But, um, you know, I've I've done other shows on this, but I, I I'm glad to hear you bring it up in terms of resolving this issue about fatigue as well, because um you know, I'll tell you, I, I, a few months ago, had frozen shoulder. It was one of the most painful mm -hmm. things I've ever experienced. It, it was incredibly painful. I had no idea. And um, I finally went to the emergency room. I, I, you know, I just needed some relief. He gave me a topical uh, cream, you know, a topical ointment that's uh, an anti-inflammatory. I was like, okay, fine. So I come home and I'm using it. Within a day, I was deathly ill. I was, mm -hmm. oh, I was... 
I, I was throwing up and I had, you know, indigestion and all this GI activation and headaches and I couldn't get out of bed, couldn't figure out what it was. And my husband was like, didn't you start using that, that stuff from the ER yesterday? And I was like, yeah, but that was just topical. I would expect those kind of symptoms if I had ingested a pill. Right. But, but literally the idea that something absorbing through my skin could make me so sick was just a powerful reminder of, of the everyday toxins that we're all exposed to, you know, and, and how we just have to be really conscious about how we can reduce those um, in our in our exposure and in our lives. And it's not easy to do, actually. And a lot of this can drive you crazy, can drive you a little nutty, you know, in terms of trying to stay on top of it and, you know, doing your best to eliminate it. So you do the best that you can. You go to, you know, ewg.org slash skin deep and you look at your cosmetics, you know, and you, and you know, and then the next month you tackle your water, you know, and you get a good filter on there. And then the next month you get an air filter, you know, so, or the next two months, you know, so you just, you take your time and you slowly implement these things over time so that it's not stressful because then you're just compromising your adrenals. The other thing I wanted to mention and what comment on what you just said was about the expectation around the resolution of fatigue for people who are post-cancer or post-chemo, where part of the reason why that happens is because of the stress on the adrenals and the stress and the damage to the mitochondria. Yes. You know, part of my program I call the big three is the adrenals, the mitochondria, and the thyroid. And just by replacing those, that can make a huge difference and give you some time while you are then starting to work on the toxins and removing those, which is a longer proposition. Right. Well, you know, the thing that struck me that uh, when you were mentioning earlier is that um, so often um, this can be misdiagnosed or I'm not even sure if that's the right term. Um, I live in a small town for the first time in my life. I'm, I'm more of a city girl, but I live in a small town. And when I was dealing with the frozen shoulder, I was seeing a practitioner and we got into talking about functional medicine. And he said, oh, you know, I, um, he wanted to learn more about it. But um, he mentioned that um, he worked with a lot of women with fibromyalgia. And I said, oh, that's really interesting. And that's certainly something that um, falls within functional medicine. And, um, and, and he, he, gave, he told me something really surprising. He said that um, in the town that um, people can be kind of blackballed if they're given certain diagnoses like fibromyalgia, mm. you know, it's because it's so difficult to treat. It's, you right. know, so resistant to treatment that doctors don't want to take them on. So that's one of the reasons why he did. And I was just really, I walked away from that thinking, oh, there's this whole basket of diagnoses that, that largely affect women that are completely um, undervalued, um, not given nearly the importance that they need, fibromyalgia, chronic pain syndrome, the fatigue after cancer, brain fog. I was talking to my doctor the other day and he's like, oh yeah, that just happens. And I'm like, that's not okay. Right. It doesn't have to just happen. It, you know, there's no reason that, that, that you should just accept that as normal if people are suffering from that. But but I, I think I don't think it's malice on the part of those practitioners. It's just that that um, in traditional circles, there's not a lot they have to offer. Right. So so they don't they're not eager to take those things on because 
They just don't have anything to offer. And that really brings me to your program. You um, you have a fatigue program. I, I think for any of our listeners who are know that they're at a more advanced level of fatigue that's not resolving with some of the interventions, that um, it might be worthwhile for them to check out your program. Absolutely. From a functional perspective. Yeah. So, you know, this is really lifestyle medicine. So these are, you know, some of the changes that you can make you know, right now at home really have to do with drinking more water. You know, you should really be drinking at least your body, half of your body weight in ounces. So if you weigh 160 pounds, you should be consuming at least 80 ounces of water per day. Put a little pinch of sea salt in there or, or more sea salt. Um, you know, that can really help with your adrenals and help with stress since the adrenals are supposed to manage our salt balance. So that's the first thing is just drinking more water. You know, we're walking around chronically dehydrated. That can help a lot. The next thing is getting enough sleep. So a lot of people are burning the candle at both ends, you know, trying to, you know, get their time away from the kids or whatever it is. And you really need to be getting to bed around 10, 1030 and sleeping for seven to nine hours, waking up on your own, making sure that sleep is, is deep, making sure that the room is dark, making sure you're not interrupted by any children. Well, children you can't really avoid, but any animals, you know, it's kind of crazy where people are fatigued and they love their animals so much that they're willing to deal with them waking them up in the middle of the night. It's like, it's not worth it. Put the cat in the other part of the house, well, you know? That's funny because I've noticed whether you have cats or dogs, the contortions, myself included, I had a cat who used to love to sleep like right between my legs and the contortions that most people will go through to get out of bed to not disturb the animal or to get in bed without disturbing the animal. The animal's <laughs> like, I, I'm happy over here. And you're the one that's going through all these contortions. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I'm an animal person and I love them, but I agree. We've sort of got to get this in perspective. <laughs> right. Cats are a good example of how to get deep, restful sleep. We should model <laughs> ourselves after cats. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, we have one cat that just meows in the middle of the night. She doesn't get to sleep with us. There is a kitten all, that, that we have as well that doesn't. So the kitten gets to sleep with us, right? It's not waking us up in the middle of the night. Right. So yes, you have to I prioritize a, your sleep. My last uh, diva cat, Miranda, um, I had her for like 16 years, but she was the most food obsessed animal that I've ever met. And uh, my, my, my vet, if my vet was having a bad day would call me and say, tell me a funny Miranda story. And it always had to do with food, you know, but it was really funny. But I grew up in the two states that do not do daylight savings time is Arizona and Hawaii. I grew up in Arizona and I lived in Hawaii for many years. But so when I do, when I have lived in a state like I do now that does daylight savings time, oh my God, Miranda would be traumatized. So it did, she had an, uh, an electric food dish. So it, even though the clocks changed, she didn't. And she would wake me up like, you know, at like <laughs> five in the morning because her food schedule had changed. I'm like, this is out of control, but it's, right. it's true. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, and, and you know, sleep is essential. The causes of, of sleep dysfunction is the same as the causes of fatigue, all those things that I mentioned. And I can't tell you how many people who have infections have, have sleep problems that are fixed when we fix their infections. So the, really? that's sleep. Oh yeah, that's sleep. That's water. Um, movement. So it depends on how fatigued you are, but movement can play a huge role. You know, part of 
getting rid of toxins out of your body is through your lymph system, which is your garbage system in the body. So, you know, whether you're, you can just walk, um, that can be incredibly helpful. Whether you've got a rebounder, I highly recommend those. I actually have one right here in my office. Um, very helpful to, you have to move the body, but it has to be fun. So for me, it's dancing, it's playing basketball, yoga. So you want to make sure that you're doing things that are going to be fun because movement is one of those things that's greatly underrated and that just kind of falls out of favor when we become older. You know, we don't have it built in with, you know, PE classes or whatever it was in school, right? So that's a big one. And then the last one is good food. You know, what, what you put in your body, well, actually, that's, I'm not going to do that as the last one. We'll do another one too. But what you put in your body is essential. You know, if you put good stuff in your body, you know, you will, you'll get that nourishment. If you don't, then you're basically just putting toxins into your body. So, you know, I call it a good food deficiency, but mainly you want to be eating most of your plate, 50 to 70% should be vegetables and the rest should be meat or, you know, some other, or a carb or some other kind of protein, maybe like beef and whatnot, but grains, gluten, dairy, the sooner that you remove those, the better off you're going to be because they're just toxic. They damage the intestinal lining. They cause leaky gut. They cause inflammation. You know, 80% of our immune systems in the gut that, you know, anything that you put in the gut then that's going to cause it to react. You've got a whole bunch of inflammation that's going to cause pain and dysfunction throughout the body. What most of us know about nutrition comes through a very warped lens of how you're going to lose weight or how you're going to gain weight, which is Mm -hmm. way oversimplified if you're a functional medicine person. You know, um, it doesn't take into account chemicals, inflammation, absorption, nutrients, whatever. And so one of the very common things that I get from um, women who listen to the podcast is what diet should I follow? Should I do ketogenic? Should I do Mediterranean? Should I do this? Should I do that? And, you know, and and so I find one of the biggest challenges is kind of reframing how we even think about what we eat. It doesn't have to be that complicated. There are reasons to be on a therapeutic diet. You don't have to be on a therapeutic diet of any kind in order to eat healthy. And when people get into this whole thing about whether you eat organic or not, in its simplest form, organic just means it wasn't sprayed with pesticides or right. or it limited the pesticides. It, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be more complicated than that. The fact is, is that the way our food is, is grown and mass produced, it's sprayed with, you know, it's mineral deficient because of my uh, farming practices have changed. It's, it's sprayed with glyphosate. It's it's sprayed with weed killers, you know, and that's the whole argument for organic. So it's not like someone has to, it, it doesn't have to be a big complicated thing. If you go to, if you've got a farmer's market on the weekend, you're more likely to be getting something um, that's organic than necessarily going to the store. So um, I, I find it interesting that you bring that up because this is, I find that a lot of women really, have a lot of anxiety about diet and how they should eat. And it's the fact is you should be eating what works for your body. For some people eating, you know, a ketogenic diet works. And for some people it doesn't and not having a dogma, but finding what works for you. Yeah. And I think Michael Pollan said it best. And I'm totally going to butcher the, uh, the quote, but he said, don't eat too much, mostly plants. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that's, that's always important. And if you, if you, and the amount of calories that you actually get from plants is going to fill you up a lot more than the amount of calories that you're going to get from meat or grains. And so it's just, it's just a, and, and, 
the things that you get from plants are so important, the vitamins and the nutrients and the salts, and it's just off the hook, the benefits that you get. You know, right. but the fact is, is that if you eat the real food, there are a whole host of micro minerals and micronutrients that support the um, your body utilizing, you know, that major mineral that you're, you're going for. So, so that's, you know, basically the benefit of eating fruits and vegetables. It's this whole uh, sophisticated interplay of the uh, minerals and the vitamins and fiber and all the things that you get from it that are really hard to replicate in a pill. I absolutely agree. And my, my last tip that I wanted to mention was, was mindset was that every day do a daily practice. In my programs, I call the daily mindset practice where you're doing gratitudes and you know research is on just really three things a day and it can be the same three things every day. And then having a vision for your life. What do you want your life to look like? What is your health? What's your energy? What does it look like personally, professionally, your relationships? Just have a vision, whether that's for six months from now or 10 years from now. You know, and then look at any sort of limiting beliefs that are coming up and actually flip them on their head. And actually, what are those empowering beliefs? There's always enough time. There's always enough energy. There's always enough money, whatever it is. You know, I'm going to get well. I know that I'm going to get well. And then it's asking yourself empowering your empowering questions instead of disempowering. Too many people are walking around with, why is it? Why is this happening to me? And you really need to ask more powerful, what can I do about this right now? What can I do to move my health forward, to move my business forward, to move my life forward, to move my relationship forward? Whatever it is, you need to be asking yourself empowering questions. You know, um, absolutely. My husband, um, his particular hobby, God knows why, it, it has no interest for me whatsoever. But he thinks that loaded bicycle touring, riding from coast to coast across the country is a really fun thing to do for three months. You know, I'm like, I'll take the plane and I'll meet you there. And, you know, <laughs> I'll go to some nice restaurants and some shopping and that'll be fun for me. And then I'll, I'll meet you there. But um, he's, had some really, he's had some really amazing experiences in terms of people he's met on the road and, you know, places he's been and communities he's been in. He took, you know, uh, he's done it quite a bit. He's, he's ridden cross country several times. And so he's taken months off of work. And, um, you know, his mother is always like, but, you know, what about this? And what about your work? And what about this? And his phrase is, you can always make more money, you can't make more time, and you can't make more experiences. And, um, and I, I find that uh, particularly uh, one of the eye opening things when you're dealing with cancer, is that it really um, reorders your priorities in life. All of a sudden, the things that were so important, you know, um, it, it's you're not going to be hugging your, you know, your 401k portfolio. You want to, you know, have your kids around you. So I, I really think this mental expectation is a big thing. And um, particularly, I, I was talking to a client a few days ago who was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. And she said, oh, my God, she said I, her daughter is a type 1 diabetic. And she said, I never knew um, really the very real aspect of, of living with a chronic disease. She's like, I thought I got it, but I didn't get it until I got it. You know, and we were talking about the fact that when, you know, when you're dealing with anything and, and including, you know, having chronic fatigue, your expectations, it, it's not, uh, it's not as simple as saying, oh, well, I'm just going to go hang out with some people and go to dinner. You may need to, um, you know, structure how much time you have, how long it's going to take for you to get ready. You may need to look at the menu beforehand and make sure that they've got food that, you know, fits whatever nutrition plan mm -hmm. that you're doing. And you may have to change those, those um, 
societal expectations. And I think that can be really hard for people when they're dealing with any of these um, chronic illnesses, chronic disease, you know, all of these things, they're not going to be things that are solved overnight. And it does require lifestyle changes. And those lifestyle changes, I think, can be really, um, it's one its one thing to learn them. And it's another thing to live your life around other people who aren't making those changes that can make it very challenging. Absolutely. You know, you are the average of the five people that you hang out with most. And if you right. want to achieve something and other people aren't really interested in that sort of growth, then it's going to be harder to do so. Absolutely. Yeah. Mindset plays a huge role. And, you know, this fatigue piece is, is, is huge because it's, it's, hard hard to pinpoint sometimes and like you said it's hard to pinpoint even the causes of it i would like to just touch on really quickly um when it comes to uh, the fatigue that people are experiencing post covid is there anything particular there that you would highlight as opposed to some of the things that we've already talked about yeah, a lot of the causes are the same. What's interesting that what we're seeing with post-COVID syndrome or long haulers or long COVID, whatever you want to call it, is that the immune system is triggered. The immune system is triggered by a virus. And then what ends up happening is that the question is always whether or not this virus is causing this conglomeration of symptoms or whether it's unmasking. And we're seeing a little bit of both where it's actually unmasking a number of the infections that I mentioned, Bartonella or Babesia or whatever, or it's combining with them. And so that they're creating kind of these superbugs that are that are harder to treat. But right. not enough people really are looking at, okay, well, let's let's go ahead and let's take, you know, an antiviral, whether it's conventional or whether it's it's herbal or natural, and getting rid of the infections. Because there's there was a study that came out about a month ago that showed that half of everybody who had in this particular study, they had had COVID, they got over COVID, and four months later, they still had live virus in their intestines on biopsy. Oh, wow. And so there's live virus in these people who don't have symptoms. I'm sure that there's live virus in people who still have symptoms. Right. And so, you know, so then the question is, well, how are you going to treat the virus? And so it's this combination of boosting any deficiencies, the adrenals, the mitochondria, you know, the vitamins, minerals, lifestyle habits, whatever it is, and then removing the toxicities out of the body because there is this relationship with the infections and the heavy metals and chemicals and molds where those are really more of the predispositions that we're seeing. Where if somebody is already primed, if somebody already has fatigue, has fibromyalgia, has an autoimmune condition, they are more likely to get post-COVID syndrome or long haulers. Oh, right, right. That makes a lot of sense. Because the immune system's already activated. Right, right. Now, um, we've we've made passing reference to it a few times here, but um, it's an area that I'm really fascinated about, so I have to sort of bring it to the forefront here, which is uh, mitochondrial support. When I first got into this, I'll tell you, one of the women that, that broke my heart um, one of my first clients was a woman who had had two aggressive forms of cancer 10 years apart. Um, she had two husbands that had both died of cancer um, in that period of time. And she came in and she was, and she was two years out of treatment, but she was so exhausted. It was interfering with her job. Um, she, um, uh, it was interfering with her relationships. She literally was doing nothing except going to her job and coming home and, and passing out. And, um, 
in the time that she was sitting in my office, I thought she was going to pass out and fall out of the chair. She didn't even have enough energy to maintain this appointment. And it was really powerful. And I, I remember that. And um, you know, didn't uh, you know, didn't have the resources to do a, a long, a lot of um uh coaching and was limited on supplements. And so when I sat down to really think about how I could support this woman with some very basic things, of course, getting nutrition-rich food was um, was a foundation of that, but uh, it really took me into looking at mitochondrial support, which is um, something that um, I don't think regular um, medical practice really looks at. No. And the reason I think it's so important, and I think it's so important to this community that we're talking to, is that the mitochondria is like the energy source of the cell. And it can be affected by nutrition, it can be affected by lifestyle, all the things that we're talking about, but it can also be affected by drugs. Um, this is one of the reasons why when people take statins, you know, doctors, um, I've seen commercials about it here locally about uh, starting CoQ10, which is one of the prime um, supplements that you use for mitochondrial support. But um, but I think this is a key area to think about when women are dealing with um, post-treatment fatigue or even uh, chemo fatigue is the mitochondrial support. And that does come from nutrients and targeted supplements. I'm wondering if you could expand on that or um, anything to, to add to that particular train of thought. Absolutely. So Mitochondria makes about 70 to 80% of our ATP, adenosine triphosphate, which is like the energy molecule that's really important for, for creating the energy in the body. But what's important also to remember is that it's never just one thing. So of all those 10 categories that I talked about, everybody has 8 to 10 of those 10, and everybody has a different 8 to 10 of those 10. So, you know, some one person might have causes two, four, six, eight, ten, and and another person might have causes one, three, five, seven, nine. And so it's very those people are going to have very different treatments. Um, the other thing that's important to remember about something like mitochondria is that it all gets damaged by the toxins. And so these toxins kind of squash the mitochondria. And so you always want to remove them off of the mitochondria. But then with those nutrients that you talked about, you want to inject the mitochondria, whether it's CoQ10 or acetyl-L-carnitine, D-ribose, just to name a few, that can be really supportive at boosting up and making that mitochondria stronger. But it's still a Band-Aid. You know, replacing a lot of these deficiencies are very helpful and they're definitely needed because the body works better. But you don't need everything that you're going to take in order to fix all those things because once you remove the toxicities, you're going to require a lot less of what you need in order to replace those deficiencies. I know that you have a fatigue program that is a four-step program. It, it's called Fix Your Fatigue. Dr. Hirsch has been uh, generous enough to give me a free download that I'll put in the show notes. So you can certainly go on there and download from his program. But I'm wondering if you could talk about your program a little bit and maybe how women might um, access it or contact you if they're interested in exploring this further. Absolutely. Thank you. So the program is a four-step program where the four-step process where the first step is figuring out exactly what causes you have. Now, a lot of people might think, well, does that mean I have to get a lot of lab tests? And the answer is no. Actually, 75% of all of those causes that I mentioned in those 10 categories actually flushes out to 33 different causes. 75% of those can be determined by your symptoms alone. 
So mm -hmm. as soon as people purchase our program, they get access to the workbook and the course, and they start going through the workbook, and very quickly they can figure out 75% of their causes, and then they can use their money to get the 25% of those causes that they that they really need lab tests for. So that's what we do in step one. And then step two is replacing the deficiencies that we talked about, the big three, the adrenals, the mitochondria, the thyroid, other nutrients, lifestyle habits, neurotransmitters. And then we go into step three, which is opening up the detoxification pathways, which is really one of the major reasons why people will be successful or not with chemotherapy or will have side effects or not with chemotherapy and other toxins is based on how open their detoxification pathways are open pathways in the gut so that you're having bowel movements twice a day, open pathways into the liver, the kidney, the lymph, which is the garbage system in the body, and then the neural lymph or the brain lymph, which is the garbage system in the brain. So all of those have to be open. So then when you start pulling out the toxins in step four, the heavy metals, the chemicals, the molds, the infections, the allergies, the negative emotional patterns, the EMFs, that you've got some place to pull it into so that you can actually get rid of it. And when you think about chemotherapy, it's made up of a number of different things, but oftentimes it includes heavy metals and chemicals and uh, and then it's also very much an antibiotic. It's killing infections as well, which has other ramifications. So very important to, you know, once it's, you know, you try to target it best you can um, and try to limit the, uh, the damage around the tumor. But, you know, there, uh, unfortunately that happens and that's kind of where you want to remove that um, from, a, from a perspective of those who have cancer. So that's the four-step process. Um, you can find me at fixyourfatigue.com, F-I-X-Y-O-U-R-F-I-T-F-A-T-I-G-U-E.com. And we've got a bunch of free stuff on the site. You can click on learn and go through that process. We've got a free masterclass, a free mini course, a free um, ebook, a whole bunch of stuff that you can take advantage of. And if you're interested in seeing whether you're a good fit for our programs, you can apply to get on a discovery call with us and and we'll see it's low pressure. It's just whether we can see whether we're a good fit to work together. Obviously, a lot of women, I think everybody knows that, you know, chemotherapy it may be necessary, but it's it's toxic to the body. That's how that's how it works. It's toxic to cancer cells, but it's toxic to healthy cells. I learned in my functional medicine training, uh, I, I guess what I'm trying to focus in on here is this whole detox thing, because detox is a really sexy thing right now. You can go to Facebook and, you know, it's detox everything, you know, and, right. and there's levels of detox, you know, like actually cleaning up a diet that's heavy in inflammatory foods and gluten and, and um, dairy, switching from that to, you know, eating vegetables for a week, your body is going to detox from sugar and from some of these other things. That is a level of detox. You've got um, targeted therapeutic detox. One of my first clients, once again, in breast implant illness, um, she called me from Florida. I don't know why that's in my mind. Had had cancer. She believed she was having breast implant illness. She went to a practitioner. They put her on a pretty heavy directed supplement-based detox. She started taking it, some very common things that people are doing, quote-unquote, detox. And she was in the emergency room six hours later. You know, um, it was too much for her body. It over it, it overloaded her system. So what I learned from a functional medicine perspective is that you do not want to just throw yourself into any detox program, that um, you need to be in an incredibly stable place in other ways in order to be able to benefit from a detox, even losing weight. Uh, toxins are stored in fat. And if you lose a lot of weight, 
create that, those toxins are then freed into the system. And so you've got to have the hydration, the pooping, the methylation, all these other things happening, or you can get really sick. So I guess in closing, you know, this is kind of feeding back into reasons like that somebody might want to be in contact with you and do this with, um, with some help and with some guidance instead of just taking any detox supplement that, you know, pops up on Facebook because you, you topped, you, you type detox into the uh, Google search bar. Right. So I, I guess in, in closing, um, I really value that you're providing this service because I haven't seen services so focused, but I guess I just want to also put out there that this is not something you necessarily want to do alone, that you definitely want to be working with a skilled practitioner or, um, like you said, you know, taking advantage of this um, uh, call with you or doing some research on it before you just throw yourself into a detox program because you can make yourself more sick and and more symptomatic than than you might think that you would. I absolutely agree. And that's part of why we've structured it the way that we have, where step two is replacing the deficiencies. Because when you go through a detoxification process, it's very stressful on the body. Right. And you are going to get worse if you haven't supported those those basics or that core, those, you know, those three things that I talked about, the adrenals, the mitochondria, and the thyroid, among others, it, um, that you have to do first. So right. I, I absolutely agree. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that it's become so catchy um, and that people are doing a number of these different things that really aren't benefiting them and in fact hurting them. I just got um, an email a few weeks ago from a woman that said, I just finished um, chemo last week. Now I need to detox. And I was like, no, 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 let's slow down. Let's, 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 how are you feeling? Let's, let's, you know, get you into a place of being stable before you put more stress on your body by going through detox. Right. You know, as I said, there's one thing about detoxing from sugar, you know, and detoxing from, you know, a heavy metal that's secondary to chemotherapy, you know, so, right. so I, I do think that it's, I, I just like to put a, a little um, exclamation point there because I see it everywhere and uh, you know, detox this or detox that. And it's just become so used that I don't know if it means anything anymore in a lot of ways. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I, and I think that even detoxing from sugar can be challenging for folks. You know, I had, oh, absolutely. I remember years ago, I got a referral from a naturopath who wasn't sure what to do with a particular patient that he was having because the patient had done a water fast and got a stroke. Oh my doing goodness. a water fast. And so, you know, any of these things, and I don't know how long the fast was for, I think it was for about a week or so, but, you know, any time that you are making those kind of changes that, you know, you're eliminating sugar and, and whatnot, it really depends on what is the health of the rest of the body? How can it deal with stress? What are the detoxification pathways? If somebody's been constipated where they poop once a week, when you start detoxifying, you're going to be dumping all of these toxins into the colon. And guess what? If you're not pooping them out, they're coming right back into the body and right. then they're getting reabsorbed in different places. So I, I'm glad you brought that up. Well, I'm, I'm really excited myself to check into your um, uh, Fix Your Fatigue program. I could certainly use a lot of that. Um, I certainly have um, uh, a grounding in functional medicine, but, um, you know, I, I, I think one way to look at it, especially for our women who are recovering, is, is it is like peeling peeling an onion, you know, like the outer layer may be looking at your nutrition. And then once you're stable there, then you go to the next level and then you go to the next level, you know, and, and when it comes to heavy metals, which I think, 
you know, is certainly something that many of my women would benefit from. That's kind of like the last, like you said, other things have to be in place, you know, eating well, hydrating well, pooping well, you know, having everything in place, then you can take on that, that, that big challenge. But, but every time I hear detox, I cringe just a little bit. Yeah. And people forget too, that, that oftentimes these toxins are a combination, like they're this big ball of heavy metals, chemicals, molds, and infections. And when you start pulling one aspect of mountain, like heavy metals or whatever, it releases a whole bunch of the other stuff. And if you don't have the proper guidance, then all of a sudden you have these new symptoms or symptoms are worse and you don't know what to do. So, Right, right. So um, good reason to really check out your program and do it with some structure and guidance. So um, I really appreciate that. And just um, how does somebody know when it's time to call you if they're experiencing the fatigue? Do you know who you can help and maybe who you can't help? So it's all about the causes. You know, if somebody has gone after all these causes that we mentioned today and they've resolved them and they're coming to me and they say they still have fatigue, then there's something else that I don't know about. Right. You know, right. and so that's one of those times where I'm like, you know, I'm not sure that I can help you. This isn't a good use of your money and time. But if somebody hasn't found all of those causes, then I know that I can help them because that's kind of that's where the money's at is that if you if you have a particular cause, because I've never met anybody who's had a cause and fixed it and didn't get better, right. you know, didn't find all of their causes. So it's it's just a, a lot of people will will get a couple of causes done, you know, whether they're working with functional or naturopathic or integrative or even conventional docs where maybe the conventional doc will give them a B12 shot and that helps 10%, you know, increase their energy by 10%. And then they go to see an integrative doc and they do a food elimination diet and that helps a little bit. And so they're kind of working through and then maybe they might see somebody who specializes in heavy metals and then that helps a little bit. But it's about all of those causes, you right. know, and making sure that there is no stone left unturned. Right, right. I, I think the fact that, you know, you have so many that you can just list off so many things at play. I, I can't imagine that that uh, everybody has necessarily gone through it so systematically. Integrative medicine or alternative medicine is a really big umbrella. And it, and it has many different kinds of practitioners with many different types of training and experiences and, and outcomes. So it's a matter of, of making sure that you're seeing someone who has that foundation that you need. It's one of the things that, that I like to bring to the table is the fact that I do have a medical background. I told a woman yesterday, I was like, you know, if I had somebody come in and they were having a heart attack, I would not put them on a supplement. I would send right. them to the emergency room. Um, even though there are those of us uh, practitioners and, and um, you're an internist, but I think it's good to have that background so that you know when you may need to do more conventional treatments and when you may need to go with some of these less obvious things that that medical doctors just don't include in their practice generally. Right. Agreed. So this has been great. Um, I, I thank you so much. Uh, once again, would like to mention your Fix Your Fatigue program. If you could give your website again, that would be great. FixYourFatigue.com, F-I-X-Y-O-U-R-F-A-T-I-G-U-E.com. This is Dr. Evan Hirsch, uh, spelled H-I-R-S-C-H. Um, and um, I really uh, have so enjoyed talking with you today, and I'm so glad that you can join us. Likewise, Deborah. I think this is going to be so helpful for our listeners. And as always, um, you can... Uh, Check out Dr. Hirsch's website or his program. You can contact me through uh, www.boobsaren'tworthdyingfor.com. You could also contact me through email, which is radical 
healthrn at gmail.com. If you're looking for that or, or help you figure out if functional medicine is something that would help you in your recovery, please check out the show notes. There is going to be a free download from uh, Dr. Hirsch and his program. And I think that you're going to get a lot from that. So thanks for joining us today. And until next week, take care. Thanks for joining us today. If you have comments or questions about today's episode or how functional medicine can help you in your own recovery from breast cancer, you can contact Deborah at RadicalHealthRN at gmail.com. You can leave positive feedback and subscribe for future episodes on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Check out Deborah's website at www.boobsaren'tworthdyingfor.com for show notes, educational info, and other important links. Until next time.